You are listening to the Enormo Cast. When you think about it, is there another gear company so dedicated to outfitting climbers from head to toe as Black Diamond? They've got lightweight modern helmets and headlamps for your pointy head, high-performance apparel to wrap that sweet climber bod you've been cultivating, all the way down to their line of advanced climbing shoes for those tender piggies. They've got crash pads for the pad sniffers, the best protection money can buy for the trad dads, ice tools for the masochists. Pitons, haul bags, portal ledges, backpacks, draws, beaners, harnesses, tents, probes, skis, poles, and even the signature Enormacast rhinestone-studded unisex microfleece G-string. Well, no, that doesn't exist yet, despite me stuffing the suggestion box every chance I get. So next time you're shopping for, well, nearly anything a climber could want, honor the generations of weary Black Diamond engineers pouring over AutoCAD in their cubicles when they'd much rather be climbing. And go to blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop to see the fruits of their dedicated labor. And remember, Black Diamond is a proud sponsor of the Enormacast. You know, there's too many ways that ice climbing is miserable. The screaming barfies, somehow being sweaty and freezing at the same time, and the Norwegian death metal your partner is cranking on the dark drive to the trailhead. But with help from Sportiva, your boot performance and the comfort of your precious piggies can be resolutely checked off the blood-scrawled manifesto of ice climbing horrors. From brig routes to next-gen tech climbing, Sportiva has created a line of futuristic mountain boots with old-school reliability and durability like the warm all-arounder, the Nepal Cube GTX. So let's face it, at some point in the day, you're going to moan with pain. But let's make sure it's not because of your feet. Swipe right to Sportiva.com or your nearest high-end climbing retailer to slip your hooves into a pair of these majestic boots. And remember, when you support Sportiva, you support the Enormacast. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, that's, that's a big nice. place. You sold What's it out. I'll say it's You really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing them with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by La Sportiva with support from Maxim Ropes and our friends at Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com, enter Enorma at checkout to get a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is January 24th, about 10 o'clock in the morning, and this is episode 191 of the Enormacast, a conversation with climber, author, train hopper, Dakota Walls. Urban climber as well. What is that? Well, remember the magazine? Yeah, it has nothing to do with that. But I want to talk a little business. I feel like I haven't come up for air on the Enormacast for a little while. Uh, the holidays kind of get in the way of doing this thing. 
not only for myself, but for getting interviews and stuff like that. And the other thing that you don't know until you have kids is that your parents actually got really sick of you over the holidays um, and couldn't wait for you to go back to school at the end of it. So yeah, you kind of hit this high point around the 25th. Everything's fun, having good time with your kids. And then by the 31st, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, whenever they go back to school, you've, you've kind of run out of things to do. And uh, you're just kind of waiting. Everybody's just waiting around for them to go back to school. So that's all behind us. And it's late January, headed to the Ice Fest this weekend for one night. Get a couple interviews down there. So if you hear this before that, which is, I guess, tomorrow. Um, actually, the Ice Fest is going on right now. And uh, I'm not there, but I'll be there tomorrow. Say hi if you see me running around. Another thing I want to mention is that, of course, the TAPS edition is out right now. It was the first one of the year, the annual TAPS, things that uh, should be dead or are dying or have long gone in climbing. And, of course, that always produces a lot of email for me, which, as you know from listening to the show, I love the email. And we have addressed some of those things we talked about in the TAPS edition further at the Facebook page. There's been lively discussions over there around lowering through anchors and simul repelling and a few other those little controversies that we dug up in there. Keeping in mind that, of course, most of that show is about comedy. And even though we may say outrageous things, uh, we don't always mean them 100%. But of course, as all satire and parody, there's there's some sort of kernels of meaning in there. I wouldn't say truth because, of course, it's all opinion. But uh, anyhow, if you are interested in, you know, giving your opinion, a uh, good place to do it is Facebook page. And uh, I don't always get to all the email, so check it out. And like I said, there's just a, a big discussion, plus I furthered some of the details of my opinions about those things. So anyway, that's it for the TAPS edition for this year. So we'll just start saving stuff up for next year. Yeah, I don't see an ending anytime soon. It's just too much fun for us, and I think you guys dig it as well. Okay, the other thing to talk about is the listener mail episode. Where is the listener mail episode? It's happening. I got way more listener mail than I expected. The door is firmly closed on that for uh, this episode, by the way. And uh, I'm sifting through them, getting my panel sorted out, and finding a time when we can get together and do that. So that will be coming up in February. And as far as the swag, I promised, well, what I had in mind, I don't have enough of. So um, let me get that sorted out too. It may it may take a little while, but you will get something. And it'll be better than a sticker because stickers are always free anyway. So don't bug me about it until the episode's over and I've announced on here that the swag has been sent. Then, if you feel like you've been slighted, get in touch, okay? All right, let's get to this interview with Dakota Walls. Dakota uh, grew up in, unironically, one of the Dakotas. Where's Fargo? Is that in the north one? I think it's in North Dakota, right? (laughs) He also grew up in Kansas City, partially, and uh, came of age as a climber down there, um, which is obviously a little bit difficult. And I know I have a lot of folks who listen from those parts of the country, but yeah, let's admit it, it's not a climbing mecca. Um, he also dealt a lot with mental health over his youth and his coming up and climbing. And one of the fascinating things that he was really into is jumping on freight trains and not just uh, you know jumping on them through town, but riding them all over the country and getting sort of into that weird, strange kind of mythological community 
in kind of a sketchy community, not, well, not kind of a sketchy community, a sketchy community. So that's an interesting part of his story. All of it kind of having to do with uh, dealing with mental health and depression. And uh, that all comes out in this podcast, which is, of course, very, very interesting, uh, I think, and a way to uh, to go deeper than just talking about what Dakota has climbed, which we barely even scratch. So that's this kind of interview this time around. Um, Dakota also has a book, a self-published little book, uh, very small, I think around 100 pages, maybe less, um, called Everything I Loved More. And it's available at Amazon and also from him at dakotawalls.com. That's Walls, W-A-L-Z. And yeah, I'm sure he would love for you to buy it straight from his garage where there's a box of them or two or three, as as will happen when you self-publish. So nice little read and a lot of cool stories about growing up in the Midwest and trying to become a climber and looking for adventure and dealing with some demons inside. So check it out. And always good to support uh, you know, a climber artist of any type, in my opinion. Let's get to this one with Dakota Walls. I hope you guys learned something and maybe feel some connection to a guy that doesn't talk about climbing with uh, just you know rainbows and unicorns. And of course, thanks for listening. I love you guys. I love you guys. You know, we'll talk about climbing too somewhere. Eventually, yeah. yeah it's so. it's climbing tends to be the least important. Does that seem like kind of the arc that we would yeah, that, that seems, you were thinking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's a climbing podcast, so we have to get to that eventually. Yeah. But I think climbing tends to be the least interesting yeah, part of sure. people. Yeah, for sure. So, well, I mean, it depends on the person. But yeah, it depends. Yeah, but there's that. I mean, the whole point is to is to find something beyond that to talk about. Um, one thing. One thing I do want to talk about to start with. Okay. We're going. Is 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 you uh you mentioned like because I've been this is not my, this is not my first time, you know, with Chris here at the Normal Cast, right? So we like six years or so, uh, you had interviewed us, uh, me and my buddy Corbin Brady for this shred all fear thing, you know, the guitars, real electric guitars that we didn't know how to play that we were hauling up desert towers and Yosemite walls and all that silly stuff, and you told me that you don't really remember exactly the reason why that you didn't publish it or never came out, uh. Well, the reason was it was because it was absolutely garbage. <laughs> I mean, you would ask you asked us a question, and I would be like, you, "I think you." I distinctly remember you asking, "Like, hey, like, what's the difference between, like, um, you guys are going to go climb this aid route? So, like, what is A two versus C two? And I was looking at you, thinking, like, like, what the fuck are you talking? About? Of course, like, you know what what the difference is. Why are you asking me? And it took me, you know, the whole two hours of the podcast to realize, oh, he wasn't asking me so I could tell him. He was asking me so I could communicate with the listeners. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, beyond that, the thing that I remember most distinctly was when we came over to your your place to do the interview. You were like, "Oh, hey, yeah, tell us all, tell me all your stories. We're having a good time." You fed us a bunch of you know pasta and spaghetti, and we were drinking. It was a good time. And they're like, "All right, cool. Let's get the microphones out." And then you asked me the same questions that you had asked me a couple hours ago when we first walked in the door. Right. And all my mojo was gone. I was like, right. I gave you, I gave you the good one right away, and right. now I just have the leftovers, and it was a total nightmare. Well, to be honest with you, uh, I've I've actually learned a lesson about. I mean, not specifically that, because I honestly um, don't remember. Sometimes I actually, 
you know, there's been a few that I've recorded and not put out. Some of them, most of them, it's because of technical stuff. I go back and listen to it and, it, and I didn't set something right and, like, it's fucked. Mm-hmm. And I can't yeah. do anything about it. Sometimes you can do stuff about it. Sometimes you can't. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is now that there's so many podcasters out there that they're all learning that too. Like you sometimes your best intention and you just forgot to press the button that did that thing. Yeah. And you're just like, whatever. So sometimes is that sometimes that they, you know, I get these backlogs and things get so backlogged that they are no longer revel- relevant or in a couple cases, I've actually just forgotten that I've had them. Oofta. And people have gotten in touch with me like, whatever happened to that? And then, you know, I put them out, but you guys never did that. So there's a possibility that I just never even like checked it out and just forgot about it. Yeah. yeah. It'd, it'd be interesting to, to hear what you have I to have say it. if you go back and listen to it. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm for the last six years, I've been 100% confident it was because it was just a terrible, terrible production. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember, and this is a common, you know, this is something that happens to me all the time. You know, it's like, uh, you do, you know, I do two of these a month. And so it's like, I've got 190 of them. So you're just, you know, you're fishing and the, the lobbing, the question into like, like sort of stunned or, or mumbled silence or like, it definitely like you feel it. And then if, if like you guys, I think in the room felt it and then it gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's a slippery slope yeah, for yeah, sure yeah, to yeah. like so, botch something. Well, you know, the, the thing that got you in the room and this is all still online, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was yeah. the shred off fear thing, oh, which yeah. was this thing you guys were doing. And uh, you, whoever's listening, like if you haven't seen it, you gotta go back. Like, you know, the high DIY production value, hilarious. And that was kind of, I got in touch with you guys after that. I'm like, this shit's hilarious. Like, what are you, who are you guys? Like, what are you doing? And, uh, that's what kind of got you in the room. But like, it was kind of a ways after that. And I, and I think too, like it felt like a little bit of the, of the like energy had already kind of fallen out of what you guys were doing. The magic was gone. Well, no, we were actually, we were mid trip. We were driving from Kansas city Mm -hmm. to, to Mexico on that trip. And you're like, Oh, tell us about, you know what you're, what you're going to do. And maybe on the way back, we'll do like a recap or whatever. Right. When we went out there, we just fucking failed miserably at everything. So there was like not enough stoke to put the mullet in the mustache and the guitar and like shoot any footy or do anything right. with it. You know, yeah, we were yeah. just like you're not riding high. Yeah. So when we came yeah. back, we had our heads low and we just blew right past Carbondale to get home <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> well, and that's funny because I mean, you're so like you're. We'll get into like your life changing because this, you know, you were just like yeah, just a couple of goofballs, right? Oh yeah, yeah. and and you're definitely not anymore. Um, you know, you're a published oh. author of sorts. You're an EMT. I mean, you know, it's like you, 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 that grow, the EMTing in an ambulance grows you up a little bit. But either way, I mean, the thing that's funny about that is that like abject failure, which is what you maybe were feeling, is a is a story. It's like an incredible story if you know you like kind of realize the potential of that but when you're a young climber you just think oh, i'm a failure and no one wants to hear about it yeah like this is my chance and i fucked it up yeah and it's like but it's and this, doing this in particular has taught me just so how potent like failure stories really are oh yeah because they're relatable because we all yeah, fail totally. all the time yeah and it's like you know they're unforgettable in a lot of ways too in a way that like you know like super high like triumphs are remember 
are memorable, but like, you know, a, a good trip where everything went really well and like you got some shit done. Those are forgettable trips. Oh yeah. Honest. That's not adventure. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, just, totally, that's just yeah. like performing. So it's like the extremes are the cool shit. And yeah. one of those extremes is like total failure. I mean, epics, you know, the, the, all the, all the sort of surrounding stuff around an epic, like, you know, rock and ice has their epics issues because epics failure is, is awesome. You know? Yeah. So, we we remember, you know, well, we remember and we learn a lot out of pain we learn some and we remember some out of pleasure but we remember and learn a lot out of painful yeah. experiences yeah, yeah. So pleasure doesn't just, teach you shit they're just in there they're yeah. a part of you pleasure teach you wrong lessons yeah it, it teaches you how to be a dick sometimes <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah it's like pleasure is the whole reason i'm still like wasting my life climbing <laughs> yeah I'm trying to get that pleasure that i once had from it that i don't even know if i get from it anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> but let's not get into my cynicism um so Let's let's talk about the book then. Is that cool? Yeah. Can we go to that? Yeah, I'd yeah, love to. Yeah. So tell tell me about the uh, the book. Explain what it is, and then we'll talk about like what inspired you to 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 put out a book. Yeah. So the book is is a collection of what's it called? Uh, it's called Everything I Love More: True Tales of Rocks and Rails. It's a collection of true short stories from my time traveling the country, hitchhiking, uh, hopping freight trains, doing a lot of climbing a lot of general self-destructive behavior. And it was all originally just uh, stories that I had in my journal. And then as I kind of got older into my later 20s, I realized that there was a lot of things not working in my life. And I kind of did a lot of self-reflection and discovered that these these stories were, um, although the best parts of my life, were also the reasons that I was like destroying a lot of other good parts of my life. They're just kind of how really, really great things, uh, can we have that dichotomy? Oh, okay. Just like, just cause in the moment you're like, man, I'm, I feel so good. I'm having such a great time. I'm using all my time really well. I'm crushing, I'm traveling, I'm seeing the world. I'm getting all these experiences, but I'm like way over here on the left, like super extreme, you know, like, you know, literally chasing after freight cha- trains to get on them, you know? Um, and then over here on the other side, the far right, like I'm totally neglecting like my girlfriend and my family and everyone else who cares about me. Uh, so it's a lot of, of self-reflection and acknowledging that, um, even though these were some of the best times of my life, um, they were really self-destructive. Yeah. I, I, I love that actually in it, you know, because that's a game. I mean, we've talked about it on here before the dirt bagging thing and all that. And that's, I think we're, I'm pretty good. And like my friend, Andrew Brisher at, we, we talk a lot about sort of the dark side of, of the, of the Instagram, you know, van life kind of happiness. And, and, uh, I mean, it's been remarked on on everywhere. We're not like making anything revelatory, but when I read the book, you know, that what you were sort of that thematic thing was, was, uh, pretty apparent and, and, you know, also made me think about it, you know, it's just like, yeah, there's this romantic idea of this guy, you know, on the road, literally even referring to that book, if you will. It's like, yeah. you know, but underneath it all, it's just this, it's kind of this heavy dark side. And, and uh, you know, it's like on the road, the Kerouac book is this thing that so many sort of teenagers find and like oh, get it's, all this it's inspiration. The, it's the Bible, bro. Yeah. But then, you know, it's like, don't, don't look into who Kerouac sort of really turned out to be yeah you know 
do not do that. Like, because I studied it in college. Like that was a kind of a, an emphasis of mine for a year was the beats. And it was just like, at the end of it, I was just like, Oh, that wasn't a good idea. Like, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like when you find out Thoreau used to go home when it got cold, you know, it's like, <laughs> Oh fuck dude. Yeah, like like what? what? Yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh, he just would hike down the road and go home and have his mom make him some soup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're getting pushed into all these crazy scenarios by yeah. people who don't even, yeah, aren't yeah, even a part yeah. of it. But yeah. nevertheless, so it's like the dark side was there, but I don't think it's, I don't think the dark side when you're talking about riding freight uh, is very far away at any point. I mean, you know, your guys are doing it for like sort of like a, a crazy adventure, but you dip right into this lifestyle of people who have, you know, long since like embraced that darkness. So t- talk a little bit. I mean, you're a, you're a teenager um growing up where again uh fargo north dakota fargo the, well west fargo north yes dakota. i mean it's a very big town yeah, it's, it's like up. what is it like yosemite the gunks fargo boulder mm-hmm. is pretty yeah, much yeah like it's the, the center yeah, of the universe yeah, yeah. really <laughs> totally, yeah. yeah i mean you want to go climbing you want to go snowmobiling we got it all <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you want to snowmobile to climbing yeah i've been thinking about that a lot around here but let's, <laughs> let's not get into that the, the backcountry skiers do it man and there's like all these like super remote sun blasted cliffs mm, that are okay. just not worth developing because you can't climb there when you can get to them okay but if you could snowmobile to them all right anyway, well i don't have a spare i food. can't feel my toes right now so i'm uh, willing to get cold <laughs> <laughs> i can't uh i can't afford a fifteen thousand dollar sled i don't know how anybody does but Ugh. um what were we talking about oh yeah so you're in fargo yeah fargo you're a teenager yeah. at some point i don't know when this this started you're you're the probably odds. doing like all the normal teenage rebellious crap. When did you think about like, I got to get out of this town and, and my way to do it is on a f- freight train? Well, you know, maybe I maybe lead me up even from further away than that. I always knew that I was going to leave town because it's like a tiny ass town with kind of nothing for me there. Right. Um, for people who like to snowmobile and hunt and drink and you know do i don't even know what they do up there anymore. not in that order though i think the drinking is sort of first and or right after the snow i think it's like speckled yeah. in across right. the day very healthy dose <laughs> yeah uh you know i've always known that i was gonna leave like that was pretty obvious but i never like knew where i was gonna go or what i was gonna do or anything like that uh so you know Growing up, we had the train tracks like really close to our backyard. So to get away from town or to find, you know, a place where we could play that wasn't just a playground or, you know, a friend's house um, where we could like really have adventure. You know, my first time, air quote, having adventure was like, you know, elementary school, just throwing rocks at the trains that they went by. So they've always been like a really strong presence in my life. But it wasn't until I moved away from Fargo um, for a girl, which is a whole other terrible story. But it wasn't until I moved away that I had that that uh, independence to really just kind of do the things I was inspired by. Right. That I that I went back and looked and it's like, oh well, I mean, I, there's no reason that I can't get on that train right now and right. just go do whatever. And that's when it really just started fall getting just like hammering through. The How adventures. far away did you move? You uh, so in? I moved from Fargo to Kansas City, Missouri. Right. So that's like uh, eight hours, a couple hundred miles or so. Um, not terribly far away. I could go back every once in a while, but uh, I had no intention of doing so. So it wasn't a big deal. Uh, But the trains were like, Kansas city is like one of the biggest train hubs. It's like, they're everywhere. Like it was my first time living in a city. My first time seeing what a real freight yard looked like and seeing all the options. It's like, I could get on that one and it could go fucking anywhere. Right. It could go to the East coast or the West coast. And I, and I have no idea. And like that, that sense of having to, um, 
go for it. And once you're, once you're on it, you're committed because there's no coming off. Right. was like absolutely intoxicating. Like it was full, full value. Like all I could focus on in that moment was this happening. Right. And that was like a, a really big relief. Um, for like all the stuff going on in my head, you know, my so, teenage years. So let me get a little sort of timeline then. So you're probably what age about when you moved to Kansas City? Uh, 2019, 1920. Okay. Yeah. So, and uh, um, had you become a climber at that point yet? Yeah. Uh, I, Air quotes climber, right? right? Like I had, uh, my high school girlfriend had broken up with me by the time I uh, made it to college, by the time I graduated and we'd been dating high school, graduated high school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Graduated high school. And we'd been dating for like two years, which was like an eternity back then. And so like my life was like falling apart. I was like, you know, you know, I'd open my eyes after rubbing them from crying so much and salt all over my face. And I look around and I'd say like this whole, whole new world where I was like, I don't, know what the fuck I'm doing with my life. Like right. this girl who's the first person to agree to have sex with me is like my entire life. And yeah, now yeah. I don't have that. So it's like the very next day, uh, I went to the local YMCA agreed. and like, <laughs> it's so, agreed to have sex with you is the perfect line. Well, I mean, from a, a boy's perspective. Well, I, of, I mean, of it, yeah. there's a lot to unpack there, you yeah, know, yeah. growing up in right. the Midwest thinking that it's like a, a hunter, you know, prey kind of situation yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't, do you, do you want to talk about 2020 liberal politics right no, now? No, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not dissing you. I'm saying that's like exactly the, the way you thought. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like as a high school boy. You're like someone, like, like will someone do this for me? This? I yeah, need yeah. someone to do this for me yeah, or I'll yeah. explode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> but yeah, so I open my eyes and she's gone. I have nothing else, you know, in my young eyes, I have nothing else uh, going for me. So, uh, go to the local YMCA the very next day, get a Blake card. And it's the first time that I had used my whole body to do anything athletic. Like I had skateboarded before, but that was mostly just kind of like legs and then eating shit a lot. It's the first time that I had like felt good about what was happening with my physical form. Mm-hmm. And it was like really exciting. Um, but it was really limited to climbing at the YMCA every other week or something, you nice. know, nothing. I, I would never like say that like, yeah, I was a fucking climber right. back then. It wasn't until I moved to Kansas city and got a job at a gym, um, that like really opened up my whole world. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the, 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 the freight rail thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a big part of your book. Uh, it's, I remember you talked about it when we first met as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like, Run us through the decision the the first time to be in like what kind of preparation you made or was it like on a whim? What was the Oh, story? yeah. Well, I was I was living in Kansas City. I had no girlfriend, a job, like a super flexible part-time job, a decent amount of savings. And I had, so I, I, I had no reason to not do, you know, I was super privileged. I had no reason to not do anything I wanted. Right. And this was like the time that I could spend, you know, if if I got on a train and I ended up in Colorado instead of Texas, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a big deal. It wouldn't matter. Cause I had time to get back. So like, that was like when I was like, okay, we're going to go all in. So, uh, and I was like, listening to a lot of Bob Dylan back then, you know, like really getting heavy in the rambling days, you know, Woody Guthrie, all that stuff. So I thought, yeah, I'll get the, like my smallest pack. I'll get the shittiest gear, you know, whatever it is. Like, I don't, I didn't have a smartphone back then. I just had a little flip phone all paper maps, all that fun stuff. I was going to map it out and then just do my best to figure out how to get to wherever I was going to go or wherever I ended up. And, uh, it was, were you telling anyone about this beforehand or was your buddy on board yet? Did Corbin Corbin jump freight with you? No, 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 no. He was a climbing guy. Yeah. He's, he's just, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it it seemed really important that I'd be by myself. 
I don't know if it was because the experience demanded it or because I didn't have any friends yet in Kansas City. Right. You know, I was, I was already alone. So, like, it just seemed pretty natural. But I found that, you know, being on the side of a freight train all alone or, like, and not knowing where you're going or not knowing if you're going to get on or get off or how cold it's going to be or whatever, being alone for all of that gave a, a lot of time for introspection and forced me to figure things out on my own. Right. And it forced me to actually do things. Cause like if I wanted to get on this train, I wouldn't turn to my side and ask my bro if like, that's the one we should get on. I would just like do that. Right. And it was really liberating for sure. Yeah. So what kind of, I mean, did you have any beta? Like, like how do you even approach this? Yeah, that's tough. Like that's super tough. It's like, you'll hear some people talk about what's called a crew change. Mm-hmm. And that's basically, uh, some freight hobos, big dirty journal with like their scratches and maybe they got like some information from union Pacific. But really what that means is like, it's just a book that says like, Oh, the train is going to go from Kansas city to Lincoln and the crews are going to swap. And then from Lincoln, it's going to go to Chicago or whatever. Right. But that's not really a thing anymore. That doesn't, if, if you hear someone say like, Oh yeah, I got the crew change. I got the beta. It's like, don't worry. It's, I'm, it's, I, I'm not going to like, it's, 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 it's full. It's not, it's not the thing. If anymore. I hear someone say that for any reason, I mean, something's gone terribly wrong in my <laughs> yeah. life anyway. Yeah, 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 probably. Um, but also like, uh, there's some phone numbers you can call if you know the right phone number to call and the right stuff to punch in. You can look up the the, the information on some of them. Um, that phone number changes and the like the validation passwords really? change. Yeah, yeah. Um, for example, like if you go to the right uh, catch out, which is like a place you wait around until the right train comes so you can catch it and get out. Uh, if you look around, you can read the graffiti if you know how to translate it and you can kind of, uh, get information about which way something's going to go here or there. Uh Only problem is I never had like a hobo mentor or was a part (laughs) of any of that. I didn't know any of this stuff. I was just kind of like saying, okay, um, these, you know, these transient kids that I like will go to like underground punk shows with, they say that coal cars that are empty go toward the mountains and coal cars that are full will go away. Right. And that makes a lot of sense, sure. right? If that's where coal comes from. So I would just do do that and just hope that it would end up where I was trying to go. Mm-hmm. And it rarely works, but where, where you're trying to go is uh, doesn't exist when you're like rambling. Right. Right. Going somewhere uh, or going is what matters, not right. going somewhere. Right. So it didn't really matter. Right. So what would you uh, do when you got places? Like what was, I mean, you're, you do get off. The take trains. a shit. Take, yeah. First thing I do is take a shit. Right. <laughs> Absolute first thing. <laughs> These are the rules. Yeah. People yeah, write oh, this yeah. stuff down. If you're listening. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the first, the first train that I That's ever. It's funny you say that because I always tell people, uh, when they're riding buses and stuff in like third world or semi third world countries, I'm like, do not pass up a chance to take a crap. <laughs> Like never. If the bus stops and you can figure out it's going to be there for three minutes, go find it. <laughs> go pay pay make your it pesos. Make it happen. And get it out because you do not know when that thing's stopping again. It's That's, it's very right. you know. I'll have to write that as, one down. Well, it's the same. It's yeah. not as like permanent the movement, but you can get on a bus. You you think you're going to be on for an hour, and you can be on it for like six. So. Well, well. My problem with that was the first train that I hopped was was from Denver. I was helping a friend move to Denver. And they weren't coming back. So I got on a train to go somewhere else. And it took me um, south across the Colorado Rockies and ended up um, in La Junta, Colorado. And it had been all night. I hadn't slept in like 
20 hours and I had to, I had to go to the bathroom so bad. It's like, all right, if I can like get off this train run over to that hotel, use the bathroom super quick, I might be able to get back on. And like the second that I got off, it started moving again. But since I had committed to going to the bathroom, yeah, there, there was no, yeah, yeah, the there was no turning back. Open, yeah. yeah. So then I was stranded in La Junta for a while uh-huh. and then had to hitchhike home. Great town. I'm sure. Yeah. It was yeah, kind of interesting. Right. They like yeah. cool sewer system. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Are you a, a urban spelunker? A sewer well? surfer? Yeah, yeah, I used to be. I mean, yeah, it's all, it's all kind of like entwined, right? For right, sure, right? Um, so maybe we'll get more more stories of this the the jump in freight, but it's a pretty interesting thing to be doing. You know what? Like six, seven years ago. Yeah. When was the last time you were on a train? Oh, last time I was on a train was was. 2012 the last time i dreamed about being on a train was last night okay so you may go back <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 almost guaranteed it's 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 not a part it's kind of like it's not a part of that that leaves you like that potent adventure it's like right. you will want to go do it again for right. sure it's just a matter of like right place right time right um and convincing the wife that that's gonna be okay yeah all right well she's your wife now yeah yeah, yeah. right so there's no turning back she's yeah. already she's she's bought the ticket yeah. but this is jasmine yeah, 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 from yeah. the book. Yeah. yeah, so this is the person that you're basically like leaving behind all the time. Yeah, it's very sensitive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, put, I'm putting my seat time in right. by being a good person for a while to like yeah. to try to all right get well, it every once in a while. Maybe she's not listening. Yeah, um, she, she wouldn't waste her time. Yeah, <laughs> she's heard me. She hears me hey, talking. Come on, up. she hears me it's talking. Up. <laughs> um, so when I waste time, that's right. My girlfriend doesn't listen to him either. She says she'll listen to him when, when I'm dead. She's sort of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> to remember me by shit <laughs> assuming i die first right but um um what was i gonna ask you? oh yeah one last question on that actually before i move on so what about like uh i mean in everywhere in the world uh you know whatever thing you're doing the, m- the most dangerous thing can be other people um what about that like wh- who's out there and and you know definitely all sorts i'm sure but oh yeah it's a colorful cast for sure yeah yeah. And i mean you have everything from like the you know like your meth head truckers right who are just cranking you know just trying to get across the country yeah as fast as they can um but then you also have on the other end, other end of the spectrum like really relatable people you know um like real dirtbags like someone who the only thing they own is this car and they're just driving across the country and then they're going to be begging for money here and there mm-hmm. um so like and that person's kind of relatable because they're just trying to get around however they can. Uh, and they're not really that much of a threat. They're usually hippies. They're smoking weed the whole time. It's like not a big deal. It's pretty chill. Um, drugs are usually involved. It's kind of like the theme across the spectrum. Right. It's all kinds of stuff. Right. Um, they're actually a big part of the reason that it's not that sweet, to be honest. Because if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're hitchhiking, right? Like when was the last time you picked up a hitchhiker? Uh, it hasn't been too long, actually. But was it like a skier or something? Um, you, 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 you saw a puffy jacket and you're like, yeah, I'll pick that guy yeah, up. Or like the big one is, is going south from here to Marble. Okay. Uh, a lot of people. And so you, you kind of know like, oh, this guy lives up in Marble. Like he's, I mean, there's weird fucking people up in Marble. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. You know, you're like, he's just a dude like lives in a shack up there. Like, yeah. But you, you drive past someone and you see their tan Carhartt jacket right. and yeah, they're yeah. like, and you, you know, their smelly suitcase and you can tell they reek and you're like, that guy's not getting in my car. Right. Those are the people that you're hanging out with all the right. time. They're not inherently bad people. Um, but they're can be very hard to relate to, right? Because they live these entire lives outside of the confines of our real, I shouldn't say confines, but the structures of the reality that we live in. Right. Right. They're outside almost all the time. And for every single outdoor person that's out here, even the dirtbags, like that's probably not the case. Yeah. No, I mean, you're dipping. 
You're yeah. dipping in and dipping out. Yeah, these dudes, yeah. they're just outside all the time, yeah. right? And that's like one minor thing. It sounds like it could be cool, but like the reason that all their skin is wrinkles and leather is because they're just baking in the sun right. all the time. Right. And so like that's like a, a minor a minor way that they are like completely separate from our reality. Right. And so it's hard to relate and it can be hard to um, communicate in a way where you both are on the same wavelength, Mm -hmm. speaking the same language, because a lot of times there's like critical mental health problems there. Um, There's uh, upbringing problems. Like the people don't often end up on the street for no reason. Um, The reason I was traveling the rails and stuff was because I was running from my own problems, um, which luckily I have like the opportunity to kind of deal with more healthy these days. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of people don't have that, you know, that person, if that person is doing something similar where they're running from an abusive home or whatever it is, and they're hopping freight train and their legs get cut off. Well, now they're that person that has their legs cut off in the side of the street begging for money because they literally can't do anything else. Right. Let, let, Let me ask you about, you keep talking about these things in your head these problems you want to talk about them yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean it's a yeah. hard yes and i'll tell okay. you why chris right. because mental health is something that needs to be spoken about extremely openly okay um reason being people are really ashamed of it or mm-hmm. they feel like there's something wrong with them i want to address it directly because it's important and there's no reason not to a lot of us with mental health problems we have this inherent feeling like there's something that is wrong, not just wrong with us, but wrong because of us. Like we kind of internalize that, whether it's that pain or that anxiety or that depression, whatever it is, it's internalized and it feels embarrassing to acknowledge it. It's really difficult to even recognize it. So the more that people uh, communicate about it openly, Mm -hmm. the more it's, it's realized that this is a part of everyday life that a lot of people deal with and that it should be acknowledged and should be addressed. Right. And that's like, especially like on the street on, on an, in an ambulance, you know, like if I'm wearing a uniform, I don't look at someone and say, Hey, are you like, you know, kind of, do you like depressed sometimes? Or like, do you like feel like hurting yourself? No, I look at someone in the eyes and I say like, Hey, Chris, do you feel like killing yourself today? Because they need to be direct Right. Absolute unequivocal because it needs to be seen that someone for in a, in a uniform isn't afraid to talk about this. Right. If you went to your doctor tomorrow and you said, Hey, like, I think I'm kind of depressed and your doctor got kind of weird and mm-hmm. it's like, Ooh, uh, yeah. Hey, Hey bud, you know, kind of like treat you differently. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, well, this was a mistake. Right. Shouldn't right, have said yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, so you, it's really, really important to be open right. about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I just want to like, uh, frame it because you know, we started this about how you got broken up with by your girlfriend and that's kind of like, yeah, boohoo. Welcome yeah. to everybody who yeah. ever graduated high school with a long-term relationship. Totally. So, you know, I, that's kind of what I want to go here is like, we're not talking about just standard, like 18 year old boy bummer about his girlfriend. I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> this is, she was the love of my life. Yeah, no. And, and so, you know, so let, let's talk about it. Like what, what, what were you dealing with? When did you recognize it? Um, that kind of stuff. When did I recognize that I had a problem? Um, that's, 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 that's the beautiful, you know, terribly beautiful thing about mental health problems is that you can simultaneously recognize that you have a problem without acknowledging it or, or or really even truly recognizing it. Like I've always kind of known in the back of my head that people shouldn't be crying themselves asleep this often. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but it took, 
another maybe 10 years or so to actually acknowledge it and say like, okay, this is a pattern of behavior that is not normal and uh, needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, it's, you know, well, I can imagine as a boy, you know, uh, you know, young man growing up in fucking Fargo, especially or anywhere in the country or in the world. I mean, you just don't admit to those things. You don't, talk about those sorts of things to just I'm not any a, old person. I'm not allowed I mean? to cry yeah. when I watch Titanic, you know? How am I supposed to, like, tell someone that I, like, cry every single night? Right. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. That's unacceptable. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and it's not just the Midwest. It's everywhere, but yeah. I think it's still pretty prolific in the Midwest. I go home and I see family members who still have to act out entire lives to avoid acknowledging that there's something going on up there. Right. right which is right. not their fault at all, right. but it's just part of the and game. And so this is from like kid, kid all the way up. Oh yeah. 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 I, yeah you know, my, my, my family is like, I could say thoroughly broken. And I think that has a lot <laughs> to do with it. Like many divorces for many different reasons, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, rarely having the same bed to sleep in. Cause we're wake up, go to sleep one place, wake up another place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that all of that has like really had a big effect and it's just, uh, it's as far back as I can remember, adults were always asking me like, Hey, are you feeling okay? Like, are you just tired? And I would say, yeah, I'm just tired. Right. When really it was like, no, I could just like cry for no reason right now. Right. And, uh, it took me, like I said, the better part of a decade to like acknowledge that mm-hmm. maybe, uh, I should start doing some self care and like some work to right. like acknowledge it. Yeah. And what is that? I mean, when you finally made... Uh, a decision other than like hopping freights and climbing buildings, well, which we haven't well, talked about, but maybe we don't need to, well, it's in the book. But, um, what, what did it look like to, to, to have that, you know, that sort of self-actualization of saying like, wow, this is something I need to deal with or I'm going to end up dead, which was, I think probably an eventual, you know, well, yeah, it, eventuality, it, whether it was from drinking drugs or, you know, often yourself. It's, it's an ongoing yeah. conversation, Chris. Yeah, for sure. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, I thought I had the answer with all these stories in the book, with all right. the freight train hopping. I thought like, Oh, if I'm, maybe I was just living the wrong life. Maybe if I'm constantly chasing adventure and doing these big dangerous things, um, this, this is what makes me happy right now. And I haven't felt like shit in a long time. So if I keep doing this, I just need to be living the right life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then come to find out, you know, five years of living like that, um, everything else kind of falling apart in the wayside. Um, that's not the right way to go about right. things. Right. And it has an expiration date. Like you can only do these things so many times before your number gets pulled. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one thing we just didn't mention in the freight conversation is how dangerous it is. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, other than, you know, we were talking about the other people that can, can cause problems, but just yeah, getting completely d- decimated by a gigantic freight train is uh, not, I'm really psyched right. to be alive, let alone walking. Right. You yeah. Because like, the legs off thing is the big famous one. Yeah. Swinging Because it, it happens. Yeah. yeah and it sure. almost happened to me. And it's like, it's. It happened in, when I was in college at CSU. And my, oh, yeah. Because the, the train, you know, rolls right through, almost through campus, right next to campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever ridden train through, through Fort Collins, but uh, right downtown, you know, mm-hmm. the old rail. And it slows down to whatever, 20. I mean, super Perfect. slow. And so yeah. drunk. Uh, drunk kids coming home from the bar jump on it, and I know it's happened more than once. But even when I was there, a girl just you know lost her le- lost her or one of her an- like off at the ankle. Yeah, yeah. So 
I mean, obviously she was drunk and not a pro, but you know, it also wasn't moving. It's not moving very fast at all. Well, that's the great thing is like, actually my friend looks like jumped it and rode it to Wyoming once too. (laughs) To Wyoming. Nice. Yeah. yeah, So that sounds like a good ride. It sounds pretty. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the funny thing is when the trains are moving slow, they look like they're moving slow because they're usually it's moving so fast. Huge, yeah. But then once you start running next to them, you're like, fuck, I don't know if I can right. catch that ladder. So yeah, it, it happens all the time and I'm, I'm very grateful to be walking. Okay. So here. back to, uh, back to what well, we just sidelined back to the freight train. I'm so like interested <laughs> in this whole thing, um, that a kid in, like whatever 2012 would be jumping freight. But, um, yeah. So back to this idea of, of, uh, of sort of recognizing, you know, now it's like recognizing what you talked about in the book. Um, this idea that, okay, I've, I've got, I thought I found this cure, but it, the cure is now has its own sort of hooks in me yeah. as it were. It's, it's, it's got its own repercussions that right. are not full. So then, so then I have to acknowledge like, okay, maybe I didn't find the perfect cure. And if that's the case, then what's next? Mm-hmm. And that was actually a great part of writing the book was the experience of having to go back and relive all of these things and kind of break them down mm-hmm. and reconcile with, you know, how, how they really were destroying things. And it gave me a very clear picture of, you know, how, what I should be doing to move forward. Right. And moving forward looks a lot like constant reassessing, right? Like, am I, am I just doing way too much over here out left? And have I, when was the last time I was home to like cook dinner and do the dishes, right? When, when was the last weekend that I spent home, right? So I have to be balancing these things. It's all, it's, it's everything is a balance, right? You people, you, you hear people talk about balance a lot, um, because it's a cliche and oftentimes things are cliche because we all eventually get to the objective truth that lies within them. Right. And that is balance for me. Yeah, well, I, I think the funny thing with balance for climbers, too, it's like everybody feels like the, their balance is off because the real life is actually way too weighted. And, the, and we need more balance because we need to climb more to yeah. offset oh, all yeah. that. You know what yeah, I mean? Oh, yeah. That's the balance like, that we're looking for. And, and, you know, climbing or whatever adventure you guys were doing, uh, yeah, it's, you you were on the opposite thing of like, well, we're way over on this side, and yeah. we need to tip the scale, or I need to tip the scales back to some family life, some support for my girlfriend now wife. Yeah, you know, yeah, huge, huge, and, and acknowledge support from them. Mm-hmm. You know, because I imagine to me and and reading the book, you know, you you definitely talk about uh, your now wife Jasmine as as being this thing that was way over there. Um, a nuisance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I mean, it, that's the, 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 the title of the book is, is that, you know, everything I loved more than I loved her, yeah, which was much. all these adventures. And so, uh, not to give away, not to spoil the end. Yeah. You just ruined the last <laughs> sentence, bro. No, it's good. People need I'll, to know why people need to know why I pick such a bad name. That's, that's fair. That's <laughs> yeah. Fair. So, but, um, you know, but the thing is, is that you've got this person and I'm sure, and actually there's acknowledgement in there about how difficult it is for someone, you know, to not be needed, you know, and if she loved you and she probably understood these problems better than you did. And yet you were also like, you know, rejecting her overtures to help you, I would imagine. Oh know? yeah. I mean, yeah. In, in her eyes, and that, that's like more painful than ignoring them altogether or whatever. Oh in yeah. Ways. Yeah. In her eyes, she has a safe home and loving arms. You know, she's well, I can't, every, I, yeah, like, look, you need to like go hang out 
on on this filthy freight train and like be hungry for a month what, what the fuck <laughs> like like sketchy totally sketchy yeah, people could, yeah. could you imagine like someone turning you down so they could just like go live in a pile of shit for a while like yeah. what, what a waste why what, what, what <laughs> that'd be have to be rough on your self-value for sure for sure yeah. yeah uh but she i mean she was there for a long time yeah she stuck through yeah she stuck through i mean don't be wrong it wasn't just like you know, she has, she has her own self-worth, yeah, you know, she, she, sure. she definitely fought and laid some fucking words down that I had to listen to and, and figure out and translate. Um, and honestly, things are better now for it. Right. Uh, because we've figured out who we are a lot in our mm-hmm. own ways mm-hmm. through these, these push and pulls. So, right. And so, um, at some point, you got in. Was she then in Kansas City with you, or was that? Yeah, was she, okay, yeah, I met her so, in Kansas City. Right, that's right, where she right. lives. And another relationship I want to talk about, or a totally flip side, um, that I think is sounds like was an important one is is a relationship with this friend of yours, Corbin. Yeah, um, and maybe some other guys too. But he's the guy I met. Mm-hmm. He seems to be your your climbing out outlet sort of partner. In, yeah, he in was he years. was one of yeah. the keys that right. like kind of opened this 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 adventure travel danger whatever world you want to call freight train hopping right he he was more so he was he was the bridge from from that lifestyle to the focused purpose of climbing right so well going on climbing trips with him he introduced me to the desert you know he's like hey we're gonna go on this two week long climbing trip we're gonna climb castleton tower you know ancient we're gonna do the classic you know stuff and he showed me that you can do all these things while having focus and intent rather than just wandering around, you know, getting off on not dying a couple of times. Right. You know, and that, that, that blew my world apart. It's, that's what I, that's my foundation right now, uh-huh. truly, is uh-huh. being able to get the excitement from traveling and seeing new things while also having objectives and having things I can mm-hmm. tick off my list and, and feeling accomplished and f- coming home. In one piece, mm-hmm. um, focus and with intent rather than coming home and being like, oh, that was fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, it's like that toilet at the base of counseling can get nasty, but you don't have to actually live in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go climbing, get your thrills, and then actually have a nice place to stay. And yeah. like, and the people around you are like relatively cool and like, you know, not trying to steal your shit or anything. Yeah, Although yeah, sometimes and, they are, yeah. but, yeah, well, but yeah, you know, um, but yeah, so I mean, that, that, that seems like, uh, uh, like you owe them a bit. Yeah, I definitely feel like, I mean, he, and he taught me how to do a lot of multi-pitch climbing. Like he was introduced me to that whole world. So I do owe him a lot, but, um, I've also put up with a lot of his shit too. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, give and take a (laughs) little bit. If I never hear him whistle again, I think that will be okay. (laughs) Is he a nervous whistler? Like he's he's an excited whistler and he, he, he's so good. It's so loud. It's piercing. It's it's difficult to be in the car because it just goes straight into your ears. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when I looked at it, it felt like a pretty natural kind of move to climbing. Again, I I think, you know, something that you can choose, like you said, with intent. Um, you, I think you can probably put a little bit of a, of a start finish on the way it works in your life, so to speak. Does that make sense? Like, um, you know, you've got your trips, you've got your, you know, you're going out 
but I'm for sure coming back on this date or whatever it happens to be. And I mean, unless something happens, but you know, versus this just wild endlessness to a idea of a freight ride. Somewhere. Well, at, at the very least, if you don't hear from me on Tuesday, I'm going to be in this Canyon. Yeah. You know, at, at the very least, you know, the general area where I'll be. Right. It's, it's a plan. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and you know, and again, like the, the idea of you can still, I mean, w- I think it's always like the cliche in the in the sort of outside world is that you know we're all these daredevils, we're these thrill seekers. Um, but whether you call it like you know death wish or whatever, like the heightened awareness that comes with climbing is why we do it. You know, when people are like, like the danger is is not, you know, it's not why we do it. But it's like even sport climbing feels thrilling. Oh yeah, and the heightened awareness that comes from the thrills. We, we can't. I mean, we're, we'll go play golf if that's not like part of your thing. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I think what it is is the. I mean, climbing high on a boulder is thrilling. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Especially sometimes if it's tall, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the idea of of you know if if you're the kind of person who's just like so much going on in your brain, whether it's just a lot of traffic, like you have you're really anxious, mm-hmm. or you have a little traffic, but it's all super negative. Like you're very depressive. The idea of, of running after a freight train and having to catch the ladder and having to get on for that split second, the only thing in the world that exists is that ladder and those wheels right behind it, Mm -hmm. which is intoxicating with climbing. You still get a very similar version of it. It's like you said with sport climbing, if you're clipping bolts, like you're pretty much good for the most part, but you still feel like the only thing in the world that matters is if I get my pinky on this crimp, I need to get all the pads going. And that is a just as intoxicating, but when you fall, you're not going to be like losing your legs, hopefully. I mean, but you, you do like tons of adventure climbing too that, you know, I'm sure you have climbed even recently, plenty of stuff where you're not falling. Like you can't fall here. Yeah. It's a different thing than sport climbing, but it's a focusing agent. It's this thing of like, I have to be in this moment now, not thinking about, you know, whatever it is that bummed me out last night or, or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, what my teacher told me in seventh grade once, like, yeah. like that's not in my head right now. I'm just, I'm focused <laughs> the, on this do, sandstone hold, not snapping and falling to my death. Doing the Norma cast is actually a lot like that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We're in an, you know, people always are like, I'm like, oh yeah, we've been going for like an hour 10 and they're like, what? <laughs> so yeah, we're in the flow state right now. Can you yeah. feel it? Well, it's, your, you feel it's it? your chocolatey brown eyes. I'm just fixed. <laughs> I'm fixed, bro. No, it's the chocolatey brownie that my girlfriend gave you that <laughs> still lingering in your system from yeah, six, six years ago. <laughs> she's her weed brownies are legendary yeah, yeah. i was i was yeah. just a young virgin pup before that and <laughs> i got wrecked anyway um let's not actually we'll keep her name out of this but um so let me uh move here to another thing you know finding out and and there's no stories of this and maybe the volume two uh, will incorporate what you do now. Everything um, I loved even more. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, you ride an ambulance, you know, you're an EMT on an yeah. ambulance. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that whole profession is fraught with the same adrenaline addiction kind of thing, like life consuming sort of, you know, highs and lows, high and, adrenaline, high ego. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. So, I mean, is this all like in the arc? Do you think is this like a you know I'm like pop psychology guy like I do on the Normcast, but like <laughs> here is this like okay I can be a respectable part of the community, have a job, get a paycheck, have a real life, and I can you know my little Jones is is fixed on <laughs> this as well. Very much so. It didn't start out like that, right. but it, it's very much the case. Like 
there's a lot of conversation in climbing right now about how it's a really privileged sport and it costs X and requires Y, all these things. And it's, for the most part, it's pretty true. Like you do need um, the time and money to do these things. So looking back after years of just kind of doing whatever the fuck I wanted, whether it was hopping trains or traveling to climb, I realized how little that I contributed to the world. And uh, getting into EMS, working on an ambulance, is a, for me personally, is a really great way to contribute uh on a regular basis every single week and still be able to like you said you know get my rocks off on the rocks so right. to speak um and it's it's the best worst job in the world right yeah it's 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 supremely exciting and supremely boring right. i could go in i could go into shift and i could work for 12 hours and sit and watch tv for 12 hours or I could be running back to back to back to back cardiac arrest, shooting, stabbing, whatever. It's just, it could be anything. Uh, so it's just all over the place and it's can be super fun, but it's the most boring too. It would be ironic if you were, if you were dealt with some, some train hopping accident. Have you had to do that yet? Uh, I personally haven't. We get a lot of them right. in our district. We have a lot right. of train tracks running through right. Commerce city. Yeah. Um, I've had some, I've had climbers in the back of my ambulance, oh, wow. which is, right. which is terrifying. Um, but we don't, we don't work anywhere near the mountains. Commerce city is pretty flat. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it can be very difficult when you see yourself or you see someone that, you know, in your patient. Um, and that's like another whole other side of EMS where it's like also really difficult mentally. From what I understand about mental health, and things that you're dealing with it's it's like a drug addiction where you can get clean but it's never gone and yeah. so i yeah. i just it's like a you, you you talked about this train hopping and all this adventure and, and it involved like urban climbing you've got some great stories in there about urban climbing um in like really bad neighborhoods and all the mm -hmm. extra danger that goes with that but you know that seemed like a cure quote air quotes podcast air quotes that you can't <laughs> see uh and then it wasn't. And then, you know, climbing seems to be working. But I've, just personally, it's like there's the, the EMS, the, the street ambulance EMS thing is like just famously fraught with mental health yeah. pitfalls. You know, um, where, are, where are you with that? I mean, it's like, are, are you going to wake up in a couple of years and be like, holy crap, this is now like not doing this anymore? You, that that's really tough because actually being on the ambulance had as much, if not more, of a negative impact on my mental health as traveling and like or like freight train right. hopping and stuff. Because uh, my service does forty eight hour shifts, which means we're on call for forty eight hours. Depending, and you can go. Yeah, you, you could go every single hour if, right. if if that's what the city demands. I mean, we do have like some regulations in place here and there, but rarely is it something that we can just feel comfortable like i said ego is really high right. right like if you're the one like hey i need to hit captain i can't I need, sit I need, out i need a safety nap then it's like oh. then you like how do you fall asleep just telling someone you need a safety nap you know what i mean <laughs> but but all jokes aside doing those 48 hour shifts is um is is destructive too um was was destructive to my personal mental health and my relationship too um because i'm gone for 48 hours right, so here week, you are every again. time here we are yeah, yeah. Same, like you said same thing <laughs> i'm like okay i can't be doing this then if i'm gonna be getting a, a quote real job because you know if, if you're anyone who's looking to get into ems it's not so much of a quote real job because mm -hmm. it doesn't pay very well but 
that's beside the point. If I'm going to be getting this real job and kind of assimilating myself into society a little bit more, um, it's got to be something that's going to catch my attention. And working in ambulance absolutely does. Um, but seeing those all those things and working the 48 hours more than anything is is crippling mentally like um their studies show that being up for 24 hours is pretty much the same as being shit face wasted and so i can't tell you how many times i've fallen asleep at the wheel of an ambulance before like how terrifying is that and you work that's for, good to know yeah you I work, remember <laughs> when i see the ambulance coming the other way it's like yeah hey, maybe that guy's been up for 36 yeah hours. maybe they, that guy's been up for 36 hours maybe he just got done just pumping on job, grandma's chest <laughs> well, they well, <laughs> no they know oops. yeah yeah they're aware <laughs> i mean you don't know that person right. might have they, that person's been up all day they just got done running a couple dead people a couple drunks a couple you know whatever they've been doing the same bullshit for a long time and and now they're going to get off shift and they're going to go home and the sun is out and they have to like figure out if they're going to go to sleep. Do I stay up? Like what after doing a couple of years of that, you end up in this constant state of fatigue mm-hmm. and not just like, Oh, I'm tired or my arms are fatigued. Like fatigue means you are a different person for a long extended period of time. It's like being um, a really boring drunk for a whole year straight. Right. And it totally changes everything. So the day that I stopped doing 48s was, and the immediate morning after a very long conversation with my wife where she's like, you got to figure something out. So I walked in the next day and said, Hey, um, I know I'm scheduled for a 48 next week, but I can't do those anymore. I can give you all the 12s you want, but I can't do any 48s. And that again has been a very, like a very similar abrupt shift where like now I have a schedule again and now I can, um, plan on things again. And right. I have like this whole life now, this last year, 2019 is my first year with like a regular schedule life and maybe my adult, my entire time being an adult. And it's been incredible. I've gotten so much done. It's been like, I feel like I have the whole, I've had that's the key so, to the world now that I have sleep in a schedule. It's amazing. Right. Well, that's, it's ironic because of course everybody's like, yeah, nine to five is a killer. Like, you know, like no, the dude. freedom of the road. And no. it's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, it's like a schedule because I mean, having a like two and a half, three year old is getting into that, like no sleep land. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. serious. Like yeah. parents again, like dismiss it, but you know, marriages end all the time with like toddlers. Really? I know because yeah. stuff, yeah. I mean, because it's so stressful and, mm-hmm. and, and your life is so different and you're both exhausted all the time and not at the level you were, but still, I mean, even a little bit of exhaustion, you know, changes your emotional reactions, you know, changes your, your just cognitive reactions. And like, yeah, it's hard to be loving and caring and looking out for another person when you're that tired, you know? And so it's like, I get it. And in my life now too, is like, like the schedule, even the small schedule is like this lifeline, you know, yeah. except for the kid doesn't listen to this. <laughs> other than that, it's working out. But I mean, yeah. between, between uh, Steph and I, it's like, you know, even if miles doesn't listen to the schedule, we have a schedule and we weren't doing that for the longest time. Cause we, it was our, our, we were still in our old life of where mm-hmm. you could just do whatever you wanted. Yeah. No needed. Well, it's, so. it's again, it's like the cliche, right? Yeah. Like the reason, you know, going to bed every night and waking up every morning at the same time. The reason it's a cliche is because it objectively is fucking great for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not object. I mean, yeah. Like objectively, scientifically, everything. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. no, nobody. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like, like, I, like going from this life of just kind of doing whatever and like, like getting up and going to bed whenever and like just working whenever I could to like, okay, this is my schedule. Like I've, it's like a super, it's a superpower. 
<laughs> don't need that, huh? Yeah, yeah, my pen's gone. Um, I don't, actually. You, I know yeah, you, I, I I've been, been watching you draw I know, squares. You, everyone always does. Yeah. They always watch my notes. Yeah. Like well, I don't, I'm not there. trying to read it because no, no, I don't no. be say the right it's, words. It's Because that's how I, I'm a doodler. Yeah. Like I think that's of fair. a doodler. Like, I support that. This is my diagram of the two sides of a scale, even though it's just two boxes. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> this is a common Enormacast thing, though, where nice. I, can, I can tell when people are like, what the fuck is he writing? Not, no, not I, the words, but why is there like a fountain and a triangle and a little rocket ship? No, I, I, so, I totally get it. Yeah, totally yeah, support it. Yeah. I, my, high school, my, my high school social studies teacher didn't get it. Okay. Yeah, no, no. My teachers didn't get it either, dude. Yeah. Yeah, some do, some don't. <laughs> yeah. You're not wasting time. You're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, yeah. you need to have some part of your brain doing something so you can focus. Yeah. Let the te- if any teachers are listening, hopefully you're not one of those jerks. Just let mm-hmm. them doodle. Yeah. They're fine. Yes. Okay. You, you can wipe it off the desk later <laughs> as long as it's not a Sharpie. All right. So last thing we, we, we've once again gone through a big bat climbing podcast without talking <laughs> about climbing very much. Uh, I keep, I kept trying to steer it there, but more interesting things, uh, kept coming up. So, uh, but let's just talk a little bit about who you are as a climber. You know, you mentioned being a first ascensionist is like kind of your, uh, at least right now is like your thing that you're, you're super into, which means, um, to me, cause I know where you climb, you climb a lot out in the swell and, and just in the desert first ascending in most places besides the Creek and even the Creek can be a lot of choss wrangling you yeah know. yeah um can be dangerous you mm-hmm. know let's face it the, those peak chunks of rock come off in your lap sometimes or wherever so talk a little bit about the, the the climbing part of your life as it as it reflects right at this moment well right at this moment the only thing that matters to me is first ascents um and i think that's it's it's the best it's just like it's the hardest it requires the most tools it were like there's just, no map. It's, still, it's, it's, it's a it train to nowhere. Work. It takes it's a the train most to nowhere, work. Right? Yeah. You're setting yourself yeah. up for disappointment constantly, <laughs> constantly. Uh, and you talk about like Choss and stuff and that is a, like, that's a part of it. And that's, uh, it's not necessarily a fun part of it, but it's also like a fun part of it. It's all, it's, oh, yeah. it's the entire experience. If you're like, a Choss climber, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. But like getting into climbing, it's like, okay, cool. I started at the YMCA gym, right? This is fucking rad. How many times can I climb at the YMCA gym before this is not that rad anymore? Right. Not too much. Right. Okay, cool. So I go to a real gym or I go outside sport climbing for the first time. This is fucking rad. Right. How many bolts can I clip before this is not that rad anymore? Okay. I'll do some multi-pitch climbing. I'll play some gear. Like how many multi-pitch routes can I do before I'm just kind of like, going after the mountains to masturbate, right? Um, so somewhere along the lines of like honing most of my skills to like the, you know, I would say, I, I kind of call it the um, the hardcore mediocre level, like that 512 plus-ish range. After that, like what... Well, mediocre people, people call media, he, he he's just rolling saw, his eyes. Yeah, here. I just, he just got my eye, <laughs> podcast eye roll. <laughs> well, people think of mediocre as like this like insult, right? right. But really what does mediocre means? It just means that you just... You're just not professional. Yeah. Like that's really all. Okay, that means. All you're right, just right, like an right. amateur, because, yeah. right? That's all that means. It doesn't mean that you're make, a piece of shit. Yeah, but <laughs> you, when you when you strip it all down to the basics, and and you get the grade inflation out of there, and you get sport climbing out of there and stuff, climbing five twelve plus trad is still like that's like peeking into like upper level. I just want people to yeah, know that. Like, yeah, yeah. I, there, okay. When you really when you really break it down, there's not a lot of people that. Even now, even professional climbers that just like walk up and, and you know, have a 12 plus 
trad climb for lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. so I just, I, yeah, I just want. I, I do, viral. I do. I am very good at yeah, making yeah, myself sound yeah, like an asshole. Yeah, but yeah. what I'm trying to communicate <laughs> is that, like, after how long of like of of doing any sport mm-hmm. um, without, you know, how long, how long, how many years am I going to spend tons of money and tons of time on the sport where I'm just doing stuff that other people are doing? Right, right. And for me, like that hit pretty hard. I was like, I think I'm just going to stop climbing. I always almost just like right. think the next hard route that I send will just be the last one. Cause I'm kind of bored of it. And then I really started focusing on first ascents because it is so much work. It is so much disappointment. It, it, it's, it's, you require all these tools. Like it feels like all these tools, sport, trad, boulder, all these things came to this accumulation of, of this is what they're for. It's for now that you have these tools, you know, you, you can, you can onsite a five twelve whether it's gear or bolts, limestone, sandstone, grant, whatever it is. Um, and that's not going to prepare you to go ground up on any 512 anything. Right. You know? So now I feel like I'm just entering the realm. Like I've, all this was just preparation to enter that realm of being able to hopefully tackle anything that comes up on the wall without, you know, critical failure. Right. And so that that part of it is, 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 seems like what has been rejuvenated my interest in the climbing at all. And did you hit your mile? Yeah. How yeah. Do do? Yeah. I got these, uh, 5,450 something. So there's a little bit more. So that was, uh, explain that real quick. Yeah. So, uh, every year I try to have goals with climbing. Um, one year it was like, Oh, I want to do my first, first ascent in a national park. And we did that in Rocky mountain and that was cool. And the next year is like, okay, like I want to put up my, first 513 gear line or whatever and that was cool and then you know yada 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 it was mid 2019 i hadn't had a goal yet and but i had tons of these small first ascents you know single pitch out in the desert tower out in the desert whatever and then i decided if i don't have the big one lined up that's worthy of my next progression then i need to just do a shit ton of small stuff and i found that the byproduct of just doing tons of first ascents on tons of different routes was that I actually learned how to do it a lot better. I was getting way more done. I actually learned how to hand drill rather than faking it, stuff like that. Uh, it was a really productive year. And you hit a mile. Yep. When? What date? December 27th, 2019. Oh, shit. Right on, right yeah. in the end of it when it was <laughs> yeah. all cold, too. It was freezing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember you were talking about it, and then pretty much like the right after you told me you had a little bit more to go, like the weather just shut down because December was, was gross in it was the rough. desert, too. It yeah. was rough everywhere. Blanket it with snow, yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, well, congratulations. Uh, Thanks, what's, what's 2020? Are you, do you let people know? Do you well, tip I mean, your hand? Today's like it was January 13th right yeah. now, so I've, I'm still still like still kind of coasting off of that high okay. and like trying to figure out what it is. We have a grant for Canada. Hopefully we'll find out like really soon if that goes through. Right. If not, I think I'm just going to just do as many wall routes as possible and, uh, just continue this pace. Cause I've okay. uh, now like I found that after a year of doing the same thing and focusing very heavily on it, it's just like really easy to maintain that. So I'm just going to try and just continue going bigger and harder. Right on. Yeah. Well, cool. Let's do like a super process uh, podcast outro. Okay. So D- Dakota Walls' book is Everything I Loved More, Tales of Rocks and Rails, available everywhere you can buy books. Yep. Yeah. You can go to any store in the country. Yeah. You can go to gas stations yeah. now. <laughs> it's pretty famous. <laughs> no, but I mean, you can get it on the Kindle. You can get it uh, Yeah, it's uh, Amazon, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you can get it on uh, paperback. Kindle audiobook is now is now live. Did um, you read it? 
God, no. No, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone can relax. I'm not the one reading it. This Should have had me do it. <laughs> Shit, dude. Maybe I should have. Do you do that? I... No, I never have, but I don't see why I couldn't. Anybody no, out there want me to read your book? <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to be plugging my book, but now here you're, you're getting jobs. A whole new gig. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's available. Whatever happened to the Enormous guy? <laughs> have you heard the new 50 shades of what is it what's the sexy one 50 shades, 50 shades of gray don't yeah. act like you have you heard that no have you heard you that know? new reading it's amazing <laughs> yeah i can t- i can feel his blue jeans from here <laughs> anyhow so but more about your book <laughs> what was it called again no just kidding uh but yeah the, my my website uh dakotawalls.com uh that's where you can buy the Paperback, Kindle, or audiobook, it's all there. W-A-L-Z, not Yep, W-A-L-Z, not yeah, yeah. yeah. Spelled Moronic. like it's some kind of like hip I, I app or something. Right. Um, I would, you know, I have about 680 books sitting in my bedroom right now, so I will sell those, won't we, to, won't to, we to people? Yeah. We can move at 680 books, can't <laughs> yeah, we? Yeah, the Norman wife Cass? would be pretty psyched I mean, what's what? in room in the house. On the Kindle, well, you know, we can't sell the Kindle ones. I mean, it's like, it's a quick little read. It's it's not like a heavy thing yeah, yeah. that's going to weigh you down. I, I tell people that, you know, pe- nobody reads books. And I shouldn't say nobody, but people don't read books, right? So I made it for people who can who can sit down and be like, oh, fuck, I can do this in an hour or so. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's collection of short stories. So if you get bored, you just close the book and, you, and it's not a big deal. Yeah, right? yeah, totally. No, when I was reading it, I did read it on the Kindle. Now I have one in my hand. But um, yeah, I was like doing the Kindle, you know, it's a percentage like... I was reading for a little while, and I looked down at the percentage, and I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like 46% through the book already. So, yeah, yeah. Because I hadn't looked at how long well, it was, you know. And I tell people that I, I designed it that way because yeah. I know people don't have an attention span. But really, the, tr- the truth is I just didn't have that much important stuff to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would assume there will be a, uh, another volume that will come out of you. I'm sure you still keep a journal. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Hopefully but, yeah, it's check it out. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a cool book, well-illustrated, and um, I think it makes uh, – it's got some thoughtful stuff that affects all of us obsessive climbers um, in terms of, again, maybe a little bit about examining the dark side of that obsession, which um, has come up on the Enormacast a number of times. So Yeah. Well, there's, there's probably reason for that, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Thanks for coming cool. to Carbondale, yeah. Dakota. Yeah, thanks for the invite, bro. I'm glad we, I'm glad we get another one done. Yeah, hell yeah. We'll, Hopefully this one will get published. Yeah, let's see. I'll just forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll have that to think about while you're falling asleep. God, why didn't you put my second one? I God, thought we did a pretty good job. Dick, dude. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for listening and thanks to Dakota for round two on the Enorma cast. Sorry, Corbin. Sorry about that. Yeah, I went and kind of spot listened to the old interview, and uh, it's not bad. I don't. I don't think I. Uh, I don't think I trashed it. I think I just kind of forgot about it, or it like disappeared into the ether. But it's not as good as what we just got done. So, you know, they were young, and the uh, shred all fear thing, which again, I've linked it with this post go and check out the old shred all fear stuff but uh it just wasn't enough to carry a whole episode so um it did sort of peter out but i think we got something good done here so it all's well that ends well as our boy bill shakespeare said i would love for you guys to check out dakotawalls.com 
That's Dakota Walls, W-A-L-Z.com, to find Dakota's book. You can go to Amazon. You can get it on Kindle, but, um, you know, everybody appreciates it when you actually send a note and get one right from the author. You know, I tell these people, come on the show. We'll sell some books. The uh, the fans of the Enormacast support this kind of thing, so don't let me down. I mean, you support me, and my art is just drinking whiskey and braying into a microphone. So the guy that actually put some time into a book needs your support. All right. You know, it's wintertime here in North America. Some people are still trying to rock climb. Some are ice climbing. Some have gone somewhere that's just warm enough to do whatever you want. But one thing I've noticed, and this has actually literally happened to me, is that sometimes you can fuck up your knot with all these puffy coats on. You know, you can't see those tie-in points on your harness. Just recently, I put my knot not through the leg loops, right? Just on the waist the waist belt, which isn't really like a tragedy waiting to happen, but, uh, you know, could result in a difficult situation or a painful fall on uh, just your just your waist belt like they used to wear in the good old days. You know, if your partner has to dig around in, in your puffies with their cold hands, just let them. Just let them tickle your midriff for a second so they can see that knot. I mean, you know, if you have that kind of relationship. But what I really mean to say is check your knots. People have asked me why did I write that book or any book. All the stories I wrote were true because I believed in what I saw. I was traveling west one time at the junction of the state line of Colorado. It's arid western one and the state line of poor Utah. I saw in the clouds huge and massed above the fiery golden desert of even fall a great image of God with forefinger pointed straight at me through halos and rolls and gold folds that were like the existence of the gleaming spear in his right hand which saith come on boy go thou across the ground go moan for man go moan go groan go groan alone go roll your bones alone go thou and be little beneath my sight go thou and be minute as seed in the pod go thou go thou die hence and of this world report you well and truly Thank you.